Popcorn Boys, and we're coming in hot. We are coming at you live from Culver City, California. I'm Kyle Jamison. With me is Daniel Trainer. And Daniel, you're you're supposed to respond. Would you say you're more of a uh, a crier or or a macho man? Uh, Kyle, we've been friends for long enough that I think you know I'm more of a crier. Macho, Cry. macho man. Super Joe Slim Jim. Oh, yeah, brother. This Cry. week. I cried on the podcast last week. I cried on the podcast most weeks. You. Yeah, yeah, I mean. I, I cry you, most days. Did you reach the level that we would call crying on last week's podcast? So how do you define crying? To me, crying is when a tear comes from your eye. And that is what happened last week on the podcast. Okay, so, that happened, yes. Yeah, I would say so. Stepmom does it every time. Woo, baby! She made that quilt and everything. Wow, 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 wow. This week on the Popcorn Boys, yeah, we have a riveting breakdown of Clint Eastwood's latest film, Cry Macho. Okay, why do you why did you say it like that? What? We have a riveting breakdown. Is it not going to be riveting? I think so. I'm excited. Get I this. wasn't being sarcastic. Oh, okay. That was genuine. Well, you're also, you don't know that it's going to be. I mean, you're setting people up. We haven't done the breakdown yet. Well, I'm teasing it. Okay. People are excited to hear our thoughts. <laughs> Maybe not after that. But before we get into that, we are going to do, as always, the weekly box office challenge recap. Correct. Now, this week, not a lot happened. We didn't have any of our movies premiere. Really, Cry Macho was the only big-ish movie to premiere this weekend at the box office, yeah. and it did not do very well. Um, we didn't draft it. It was not, yeah, it was not on either of our teams. So, really, the box office recap this week is just a kind of state of the competition. Uh, Daniel is in first place. I forget people can't see me. Oh, he's dancing. It's, oh, baby. It's going to be so funny when I, I, I love being a winner. Pull out the victory. Uh, when Daniel's was the last time you won anything? Other than box office challenge, I won my fantasy football matchup this week. Really? I thought your team sucked. Both of them actually. Both my teams. I thought your team sucked. I also do want to thank some of the listeners. Uh, during the football episode, I did say that nobody had ever invited me to join their fantasy football league, which is true. I have received some invites for next season. Wow! Wow! The listeners are coming. The, the pity, I have received the some invites football invites for next season. Wow! And I will be dominating. Sure. I will be dominating. Sure. Thank you. Sure. Thank you to all who reached out. It meant a lot to me. So, Daniel's in first place with $879 million thus far. Hmm. Uh, I have $746 million. So, we're looking at a difference of about oh, $133 million or so. Wow, that's a lot. It's nothing. I mean, when you, when you think about how Spider-Man oh. No Way Home is going to... No Way Home? Yeah. Coming home? I'm Homecoming? Coming home. No Way Home. Remember no when way that out? song was everywhere? For like a year, when LeBron came home, did they play that? Oh, are you kidding me? Oh, anytime a player Diddy, comes back to a team. Wait, hold on. So that's Diddy, but that's Diddy and who? That was that weird group. Diddy coming home. Diddy featuring. It's a great question. I don't have the answer. I love Tell a song that is not a real song that is so specifically made for montages. That's my favorite type of song. Uh, Diddy Dirty Money. Diddy Dirty Money, of course. And Diddy Skyler Dirty Money. Gray. 
Skylar Gray. Skylar Gray, a person who no one's ever met. What a song. This song is one of the best songs ever made. Wash away all the pain of yesterday. No, my kingdom awaits. Okay, before we get sued by Diddy Daddy Money. Wait, did you know there's a Coming Home Part 2? Song by Skylar Gray. Coming, coming to home. America. Coming, coming home, to home? What is this? Oh, boy. What is this? This is like when Rihanna did Love the Way You Lie Part 2 on her album. That must be it. Anyway, uh, so yeah, no, a Spider-Man, I'm coming home, will, <laughs> I mean, that's going to make easily $150 million more than anything else that's coming out. That, that makes up the difference right there. Whatever. And then all I have to do is push with the rest. Now, you still have a lot of movies come. I, I, I only, I'm down to one, two, three, four, five, six. That's, in, that's insane. I think you Listen, still have 12. What I want to say I mean, is... You know, if anybody, got, like, if anybody, Afterlife, Dear Evan Hansen, Dear Evan Hansen comes out this week. If anybody's listening who was in the senior year musical at Nequa Valley High School with me titled Pirates of Penzance. So, what? Pirates of Penzance. I, I, those, are those words? Pirates. Got it. Of. Sure. Penzance. Yeah, I'm still out on that one. <laughs> okay, well. Penzance. I was in it. Is that Pen- a place? That's what uh, that's what Penn Badgley calls his. Uh, I'm gonna abandon this his joke. Farm? <laughs> no, his his extended family. Oh, Penn's aunts. That'd be aunts. Wait a second. Oh, you yeah. say aunts? Yeah, there's a U in the word. Oh my god, aunt versus aunt culture. Unbelievable. People who say aunt, there's something Why going would on you there. Ever call someone your aunt? Why would you ever a... call someone your aunt? Because that's the word. No, it's aunt. Okay. To say aunt is so weird. To be like, huh, there's a aunt. U in the word, and aunt already means something else. Oh yeah, the English language where two words, you know, can't mean the same thing and be spelled differently. You ever tried learning English? It's hard. It's <laughs> look, aunt. Ugh. Ugh. You know what other word aunt. aunt you know what other word aunt reminds me of? And I like shiver when I hear it. Ugh. I like truly can't even say it. I hate when people use the word supper. Supper. Oh yeah, supper. I don't know. When like people either. say supper instead of dinner. Supper time. Oh. Supper's that on is the table. so. You wanna come that, over for supper tonight? Oh, supper's ready. Supper. Yeah, I don't like supper either. I hate it. It makes I feel like me. I used it makes it a my little skin bit growing crawl. up, but not anymore. It makes my skin crawl. We're but, having your aunts over for supper. Oh God. <laughs> I think aunt is like uh, that's kind of the proper English pronunciation, and you know, from the Northeast, we here we, we go. We know I, knew, to, I knew this was coming. We know how to speak English. I knew this was coming in Massachusetts, famously. Have you ever been to where the Boston Tea Party was? Yeah. I had a cuppa. <laughs> okay, Nigella Lawson. Yeah, I've been everywhere in Boston. You've been everywhere in Boston. Certainly okay. the, you know, historical. I mean, if you're not from Boston, like. And, 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 and thank God I'm not. You should wake up every God morning I'm and just not. say, thank you, people of Boston, 
because we wouldn't have this great country without Oh, you. yeah, this country is great. We're, we're killing it. Yeah, thanks, Boston. Everything's great over here. Anyway, somehow that oh, has been... Oh, God, I wish we had lost. Somehow that's been I your w- box office I recap. I wish we had lost. Week. I wish we had lost. The, uh, the Revolutionary Revolution. War. Of course. Can you imagine how much better things would be? Well, you should write a script about it. Oh, who am I? The creator of Game of Thrones? What? They were going to do that if the South had won the right, Civil right, right, War. Right. Yes, yes. Oh, what a what a fun concept. Well, what a what a fun watch for the family on a Sunday. <laughs> hey, the slave owners rule the world. There's been a million. I mean, well, they kind of do. Man in the High Castle. That's that's like a if the Nazis had won, right? Yeah, I didn't watch that, of course. Hmm. Me neither. Yeah. Man in the High Castle. If your alternate if your, t- if your TV show has more so, than four. Man in the high. If your TV show is more than five words in the title, I'm not watching it. Oh, okay. I actually stand by that. I can't think of one. Uh, every Real Housewives show is is e- the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Ooh, I'm fair, sorry. Fair enough. That's a good one. <laughs> Only Murders in the Building, a show I've not watched yet, but will be binging at some point in the That's near five. future. Would you say more than five is where you draw the line? I sure five or more. Five or more. What? Man in the High Castle. So five or more. But only murders in the building. You just said... Only murder... Yeah, that's the... There's exceptions to every rule. (laughs) You know, if Selena Gomez is in it, I'll watch it. No matter how many letters or words. (laughs) The Wizards of Waverly Place. There's There's no the. I think it's just Wizards of... That's her show? Not anymore. Of course not. There'll be a reboot coming to Disney+. I'm just trying know, to Disney think of other Plus. long-titled TV shows. There aren't many, really. Let's see. The Sopranos. No, <laughs> that doesn't do it. The Simpsons. No. What is the best show that has, like, a long title? That's what I'm trying to the think The Mary Tyler Moore Show. That's five. But that doesn't really Hyphenated. count because it's a name. Yeah. If there's a name in it, it doesn't count. Or a name or a city doesn't count. So that's The why Dick I... Van Dyke Show? Okay. <laughs> what? That's a name. I know. If it has a name or a city, it doesn't count. So housewives are off the hook. I can't even think of any shows that have long titles. Yeah. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. Wow. This has been riveting. All right. Well, believe it or not, that was your box office recap of the week. <laughs> now it's time for the main course. Oh, boy. Let's um, – I think – well. What? I was going to say we need to stage an intervention. <laughs> Listen, somebody needs to do something. I actually disagree, even though I just started this premise. Uh, so Clint Eastwood is 91 years old. Yes, unfortunately. Why are you covering your eyes? What's going on? Because you're going to – it's just because I know you're going you're gonna to say that you liked this movie. But go on. Cry Macho is delightful. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's, uh, it's, it's bad. It is – it is bad. But I think the reason that we kind of wanted to watch this is this week, I think, is just essentially what you were 
alluding to is that you know we're kind of in this like weird dead zone here where we're in between kind of summer blockbusters and then sort of awards fair that's coming in in the coming weeks oh by the way i did see uh the eyes of tammy faye this week oh yes 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 by myself in theaters of course were you um, the only one in the theater when you say by yourself were you literally no, oh, by no, yourself no i was not there was a, do you remember that one time we saw what was it was it a quiet place where they always yelling at the screen I don't remember this. How do you not remember this? Yelling at the screen? We were at the landmark. There was a guy by himself in, like, the front row, like, gesturing at the oh, screen oh, the whole a time. A quieter place. A mean. quieter place. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was think that? that same guy was in my screening. <laughs> that guy was great. He was, like, just audibly yelling things at the screen. That's great. It was It was fine. Just literally experiencing the movie. Oh, he's like, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, no, I was one of, I think, one, two, three, four. I think I was one of seven. Uh, But anyway, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, for those who don't know this movie, that's about uh, Tammy Faye Baker, uh, played by Jessica Chastain. Who's that? Huh? You don't know who Tammy Faye Baker is? No idea. Yes, you do. I'm not... Look, explain it for the audience and also for me because I don't know who that is. Really? Yeah. So Tammy Faye Baker was like televangelist. She and her husband uh, in the you know the mold of like a Jerry Falwell. Um, this televangelist who essentially over time had this like TV show that was – they essentially pioneered this like late night kind of Christian evangelical show. And then essentially just started – taking money from everybody and it was all right terrible i need everyone listening right now to very carefully listen to what i'm about to say if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you are a televangelist <laughs> turn off the podcast and fire yourself directly into the sun <laughs> because televangelists no matter who they are are Number one on my power rankings of the worst people in the world. Wow. Like, by far. We finally agree on something. I mean... What is the guy... Pat Robertson still hosts the 700 Club. He's, like, older than Clint Eastwood. Uh, I don't know. This, like, thing that's on, like, TBN or whatever. The Bible Network or some shit that, like, 800 billion people watch a night. And that's why they're not getting vaccinated. Although I think Pat Robertson might be like pro vac, who knows? Listen, <laughs> he's a monster. Okay. Uh, okay. Anyway, we'd love to have him on the podcast. He wants to come on, Pat. If you're listening, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> Is Tammy Faye uh, alive? Uh, no, she's dead. But Tammy Faye's interesting. Like the movie paints. So Tammy Faye, despite being this like uber christian woman who is stealing all this money from people and i mean it was her husband jam 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 look i can win an oscar too it's not that hard jam put put a wig on me jam okay okay i'm on the stage of the dolby <laughs> they just played that clip jam there you go there's your oscar jam tammy tammy come here i i will say Jim is played by Andrew Garfield, who I also thought was, like, excellent in the movie. Uh, the movie is fine. It's good. It's all about the performances. It's nothing to really write home about. But Tammy Faye, 
was like a huge, I don't want to say huge, but she was like a gay rights activist. Oh. Like she on the show, on their like Christian show, she like had on like AIDS patients and like talk to them about like their struggles and whatever. I think the movie paints her probably a little bit more angelic than she probably was. It's very much like this redemption thing for Tammy Faye. But yeah, I mean, I I'm joking about Jessica Chastain's performance. She's, she's perfect. She's great. Okay. Yeah. Jim. Jim. Tammy. <laughs> it's <laughs> you're you know you're <laughs> you're doing your impression from stepmom. What? That's what you're doing. My Ed Harris? No, the kid from Stepmom. Remember when the kid from Stepmom and Susan Sarandon do their impression of like, he says, damn it. That's what you're doing. Do you not remember this? No. They what? do an impression. Why? Of, Who are they doing an impression of? I don't remember. They like, say Tammy? Yeah, he says, Tammy. Oh, yeah, Tammy. I don't remember this at all. Wow. I anyway. watched the movie last week. No memory of that. Anyway, it's fine. I think Jessica Chastain will definitely be in the Oscar conversation. It's very showy. It's She's very good. The movie bombed at the box office, which is not a good sign. Uh, we'll see. She'll be in the conversation. Whether or not she has the momentum to win will be interesting because it doesn't really seem like anybody cares about the movie from a general public perspective. Speaking of, Cry Macho. Has not yet clipped five million at the box office. I don't think. Yeah. Now this is a little bit of a different story because also it was simultaneously released on HBO Max, as all the Warner Brothers pictures for 2021 are. Which is yeah, but it's like no one who it. wants to see Cry Macho knows how to access HBO Max. That's good. But that's I also think question. that people who but want are they to go also see not going to the exactly. Movie theater? Yeah, exactly. So they're like in this area of like, well, it's just the grandkids us. are showing them how to stream <laughs> HBO Max. I guess. Can you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I barely know how to do it. You should have seen me there. I'm not kidding. I'm trying to watch Cry Macho on this fucking TV right here. <laughs> Couldn't figure out how to do it. Because oh, I don't dear. have my amp my Apple. Wow, I'm still doing Tam. I don't have my Apple TV, GM. It's, it's pronounced GM. GM, I'm trying to watch Cry Macho, GM. Tammy, it's pronounced Apple. <laughs> GM, I'm trying to watch Cry Macho, GM. It's new Clint. <laughs> Tammy you know Fitbaker would not know how to work HBO Max. Neither do I. It took me forever. I had to get the help of somebody else. Somebody I'm turning to help you. It, it, yes, it was a fiasco. Sounds it. Anyway, figured it out. Uh, all right, hold on. We need to just let's set up the movie here, please. So, Cry Macho. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> no. That, that's her. But true story. Yeah, you texted me okay. while you were watching it. I had to restart this. the movie because I don't know what's happening, which is interesting because I am usually the person who doesn't understand what's happening in the movies, and this movie felt pretty straightforward. Well, look, this is one of the problems with watching movies at home and not in the theater, especially when, you know. This like, is a good point. This I was interested in, in checking out Crime Macho, but it certainly was not like, oh, I got to be locked in for this. Sure. So was I like looking at my phone at the same time? Yes. Oh, let me tell you the split screen experience <laughs> I had. So Crime Macho begins, and the opening scene is Clint Eastwood getting fired from a job. Unclear if it's an it's a real job. Right. He basically gets let go. Yeah. And then I was looking at my phone when apparently text up when I rewatched the scene. I realized this was one year later. The second scene. 
is like the guy who fired him in the previous scene. Dwight Yoakam. Yes. Basically being like, I need you to go get my son in Mexico. But like they're they're talking shit to each other in the opening scene and like hate each other and he gets fired. And the next scene, they're like old buddies who seem to be on good terms. And I was like, what? What did I miss? And I realized I missed this was a year later, but it still made no sense. And I I finished the set. I was 10 minutes in the movie, finished scene two and was like, huh? <laughs> and I had to go back and watch the first scene again. Well, not only – so the movie the starts – the movie starts – and I should have looked this up, I guess. But it opens with like a great song. Song's playing. We're getting some nice sort of like scenic stuff. I'm oh, like, really? you know what? You know what? <laughs> That's some good info. It opens with a great song. Well, it does. You what, know what song? Who knows? Let's see if I can find it here. While and I'm like, you know, okay, this is okay. Maybe I'll lean into this and try to enjoy this movie. You know, maybe I'll try to enjoy this. And so then... Oh, I, I enjoyed it. Okay, well, we'll get into it. But, so, you know, you're talking about these scenes between Clint Eastwood and Dwight Yoakam, which felt like they did one take of oh. each. At most. <laughs> and, that, then, yeah. and then the second scene ends... With Dwight Yoakam, and this sets up the rest of the movie. Dwight Yoakam, who I am sorry to report, is maybe the worst actor I've ever seen. He is... Not great. Wow. He is bad in this movie. He is terrible. At no point do you believe anything that he's saying. No, not a single So the second scene of this movie... Part of the issue with, with all of his scenes is that... the. I mean, look, it's hard to kind of bash the script in this movie. Oh, I disagree no, with no, that. Because you, you just don't know whether it's like a script issue or because like Clint is so f- as a late career director is so famously known for just doing not even doing like shooting the rehearsals and then be like, all right, we're moving on. Right. Like. We don't really know if this what that's actually came what, out in the movie is what is reflected in in the script. That's what this felt like, right? Like at no point did I feel like they were and this will get into the larger discussion about Clint that maybe we can have at the end. But like at no point did I feel any real passion for this movie from anybody involved. It just kind of felt like they made it. And it's weird as a night we haven't even He's 91 years old in real life. 91. He was born 90, in 1930. I was even... That's so long ago. Was he at the Boston Tea Party? Yeah. It's it's insane. And it's like, it's almost kind of sad to watch this old man who directed this movie just give this... Everything felt half-hearted to me. So anyway... So this, well, uh, I'm going to push back a little. Fine. Because I think... There's one thing that I liked about... There's two things I liked about this movie. I'll my my pushback it. really only involves the fact that, like, this is an amazing accomplishment. Like, the it's fact... It's not. It's not. Yes, it is. He, it's not. The fact that a 91-year-old person okay. can direct and star in a real movie... Here's what I'm going to say. Well, not good and quite bad... It's a completed movie. Here's what I'm going to say about this that. This shouldn't be possible. Here's what I'm going to say about that. I have no proof of this. Clint Eastwood did not direct this movie. That's, I assume that's correct. <laughs> but he has nobody an, else did either, I don't think. I mean, well, he, he has like an excellent AD who like did all of the work or like what, like. Because like there are moments 
that are like well made. You there know, are. It, it's certainly not. There are special. The but movie there are like oh, the okay, movie like, looks pretty good. There are plenty of scenes, I guess, where it could have been like, yeah, we could have just gotten by with this one shot, but like we actually mixed things up and did yes. a few different shots here. Yes. <laughs> like, that felt like somebody at least put a little effort into how this might. Look. But I guess what we're not getting into here is the fact that the second scene ends with a setup for the entire movie where Dwight Yoakam sends decrepit 91-year-old Clint Eastwood across the border to find his son. Look. None of it makes sense. <laughs> None of it makes a shred of sense. He's like, basically, 10 minutes into the movie, this is what you get. Clint Eastwood shows up to work. Dwight Yoakam fires him. And then they go, one year later... Dwight Yoakam is at Clint Eastwood's house for some reason and goes, I need to go get my son. <laughs> he's 13 now. Here's a picture of him when he's six. He's, he lives with his mother, but she's nuts. <laughs> go ahead. And Clint's like, well, he did me all those favors over the years. And then there's like a, th- a, a vague reference to like he helped him out when his like wife and kids died or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But So why does he get fired in the opening scene? Why not just start with that scene? I don't know. All it does is confuse you. Off and that. why are we sending him? <laughs> like, there's some vague references to the fact that it's like, isn't it crazy this old guy's doing this? But, like, that's not... If that's going to be the thing, that should be the movie. Like, yes. it's not... that They joke about it a couple of times. But Clint's age isn't really the storyline. Right. It's, it's, so, like, a movie that I was thinking about a lot while I was watching this was Gran Torino. Never seen it, and that movie is kind of that where it's like, well, let's get whole... off my let's get off my lawn, right? Yeah, yeah. The whole movie is about how he's an old guy doing this, right? And like that movie is, uh, I literally haven't seen it since the theaters. I don't think, but well, I saw it in theaters. The gist of that one was that like it's tough to hear. He was like protecting a kid from like a gang, basically, and he was like this because he was so and old. Listen. He was like sort of willing to sacrifice himself. And listen. In a way. And so that, but I'm just saying that was tied into the theme of the movie and the storyline of the movie where this one is like, he just had, like, this character could have been 42. We don't need, we don't need to get into it, but it's impossible to have a discussion about these Clint Eastwood movies without at least touching down on this idea that he seems so obsessed with being this, like, white guy who, like, goes to rescue these, like, children of color and then like integrates himself into it there's it's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little weird. weird but he always he always ends up liking the people that he's hanging out with oh he's like you're not so bad okay he's, he's showing his uh old white audience that uh i well right and so that what is this movie trying to say okay hold on we still haven't even like gotten to the point of the movie what is the point of this movie Oh, I don't know the point of the movie, but I guess why what I meant by is what happens in the movie. Okay, is, please. So Clint goes down to Mexico. Long story short, finds the kid. His mom is like a mess or something unclear. She, that actress. <laughs> okay. Uh, we we'll get into it. And then I the know what you're gonna of, say. The whole crux I know of the what movie you're gonna say is Clint and the kid, and and they try to make their way back to Texas. Who and again, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. I'm sure the actor who plays this kid is a nice person. 
they, of course, this is what we have to get into. I mean, there are a lot of things we have to get into, but it might be the worst performance in film history. It's it's up there. It is bad. It's unfortunate. It really. I would argue that with a better performance, this movie might be okay. He is so. He's just unfortunately. He's really bad. He's a bad actor. Yes, and it's not even remotely his fault. It's just like a... a well, a, it's his fault he's a bad actor. A script, a directing, a no, casting problem. There are numerous things outside of his control that uh, prevented this performance from really having a chance. Yeah, I blame him. I blame him. And yet, like, even though he's a terrible actor... he. All right, sorry. I'm getting a million texts. Who died? Nobody. Uh, there was a threat of murder on that text, but nobody died. Um, <clears throat> threat of murder. The kid at least has a little heart in the movie, even though he's not good. I guess. No, not really. Anyway, my issue with with the um, with the movie is not with the performance. Okay. Even though they're pretty universally bad. Yeah. Clint is Clint is like. Well, this is my theory about old people acting. Like, he's so old that he's not even really acting. Right? Oh yeah, I mean, I he's thought just, multiple like, times. Putzing oh, around and <laughs> oh, cameras oh, are rolling. There are multiple times in this movie where it's like that line he just said. That's not in the script. That's just him being like, well, "Get the chicken." <laughs> we haven't even mentioned. We haven't even mentioned the chicken. The rooster. Is it a rooster? This is something I want to touch down on with you. Okay, and I. Apologize for not knowing this. It's a rooster. What is the difference? Rooster is a male. Chicken is a female. What? A rooster is a male chicken. Is this... You didn't know this? Wait. <laughs> but if you're eating... Okay. But a, but a, So a rooster is a chicken. Yeah. Okay. Right, so it's a chicken. Yeah, but a rooster a, is just a male. Yes. So you're and not having hens are the females. Is that hens. Oh, we forget about hens. <laughs> but ninety nine percent of chickens that you've seen are female. Like if what? Ninety nine percent of chickens I've seen are female. Yes. What does that mean? <laughs> because there's there's usually like one rooster to. You know, however many hens. So there's a male chicken shortage? No, there's not a shortage. I think they get killed or something. <laughs> what? You're making me more confused. <laughs> I don't know the info, but like... So are chicken nuggets all... You're eating women? Yeah. I, no, I, I don't know. Hold on. I'm, I'm also trying to Google this at the same time. <laughs> But ninety, so something you did just say is ninety nine percent of the chickens that you see are female. Yeah, like when you think. I'm not about sure chickens, if that's a slur. When you think about chickens, you're not thinking about roosters right away. Of you know course, what, that's what I'm saying. Like when there's, if you're now, thinking roosters of like don't, roosters, cockadoodle do correct, and hens don't correct. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, there's usually like one rooster to, you know, 20. Oh, hens. so the rooster fucks is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And they, there's only like one male around and it's kind of his group. Where? 
Okay. What I don't know is so, okay. where are the other males come? Where are they? I, that's why I kind of assume they're slaughtered, but unclear. Got it. And is the it? hens are used for eggs? Yes. Interesting. Well, if that isn't a microcosm of the world. Why do we not eat male chickens? Oh, so we don't. Great. Da, 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 da. You know, it's unbelievable. You know, uh, the farming industry, when you really think about it, is patriarchal. Roosters alert the flock when danger is close and will oh, fight wow. off almost Good any job. animal that threatens its hens or their eggs. Is it okay to have two roosters? <laughs> we normally recommend one rooster for every ten hens or so. Who's we? Uh, this is on mypetchicken.com. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know what happens to the 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 uh, male to the root to the additional roosters that are not kept with the hens. Okay. All right. Well, maybe they just uh, they go into cockfighting, which. Oh God! Well, I was just gonna say. So that's where Clint finds the boy. Is that the cockfights? He found it pretty easily. I do have to say. He just showed up and he's like, "Oh, okay. there he is." This, this was one of numerous moments in this movie where it was just like, "We just need to get to the next scene." Yeah. There's like there, no one put a ton of thought into like the motivations of no. of getting from point A to point B. Like there's, uh, I'll, when we get it, when we get to it, I'll I'll bring up my, my the best example of this, but. We're there now. Not yet. Um, Fine. Because first, I want to, I want to rattle off a couple lines. <laughs> I will say the one line that I have from the cockfights, Clint Eastwood just shouts, "Give me my rooster!" <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Great. Um, I have three lines that I wrote down that all made me laugh out loud. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's the first one. This is the the kid tells. Clint that the rooster's name is Macho and therefore he should be allowed in the front seat or something and Clint says I don't care if his name is Colonel Sanders <laughs> and then finishes it he's not sitting up front or something like that Yeah, uh, yeah. I cackled at the Colonel Sanders line um, later in the movie I don't remember the context of this but he goes what's the Spanish word for irony <laughs> and I cracked up and then the best line of the movie by far, uh, guy wants to name his cock macho. It's okay by me. <laughs> Phenomenal stuff. I mean, have we even established the fact that in this movie, the titular macho is a cock? Is a cock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is the rooster. It is the chicken. It's, on, you know, I still didn't really have any clarification for that from mypetchicken.com, but I don't. So the chicken is macho. So this movie is named after a rooster. Yes. Yeah. Now, having seen the movie, can you explain what, why Cry is in the title? Kyle, it's in my notes. Why is this movie called Cry Macho? I don't know. Nobody knows. Here's what I will say. Did you know that this movie is based on a book? Uh, I found that out today, yes. Yeah. I believe the book is called Cry Macho? The book was written in like 1971. Wow. Did not know that. So it's been around a while. And this Wow, been, what a hot property. I mean, this has been... This is. People have been trying to make this movie for a long time in wow. various forms. Good God. Uh, da, I, da, 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 I do not know. In 2011, Arnold was cast in the film. Oh, my God. As, oh, yeah. the, as, as Macho? 
I hope so. Uh, where is it? I hold on. Where's the production section? How do you cast a rooster for this? Great question. Who were the animal handlers for the rooster? Do you think one rooster was used? Macho. The rooster was great. The rooster gives a really good performance. The rooster gives a better performance than anybody else, other than one person. The, ro- the rooster, actually- other than one person. We'll get into it in a second. Her, her. She's great, but not her. Her. The other her. There's two hers. Huh? It's actually brave of a Clint Eastwood movie to have two women in it. Um, and there are two women in this one. Do you want to get into it? Yes. So in this movie called Cry Macho, Clint Eastwood, who is, as we've said, 91 <laughs> years old and can barely stand. He looks every bit of it. Is apparently. Although he looks great for 91. The apple of the eye of two of the most gorgeous women I have ever seen. Well, the first woman, it seems almost sarcastic. But it's the boy's mom, right? And so, a little bit. She's trying to, like, I didn't understand what was going on there. She is acting for the gods. I mean, it is. I mean, God bless her for trying to do something. So, I, I looked up these two things. So, first of all, so, yeah, this woman is, like, kind of flirting with him. And, of course, it's like, you know, I don't think it's meant to be legitimate. She has ulterior motives. Right, right. Whatever. She kind of knows what he's in town for. She's 39 years old. Oh, my God. Life. Are you serious? She's 39 years old. Let me tell you something. Okay. No, Clint Eastwood directed this movie. Like, this is why he wanted to make this movie. Oh. And so then, of course. let's get into... The, the real heart and soul of this movie for me, other than Macho, which is Marta. Yes. Loved Marta. Couldn't have told you her name, but continue. Thought she was actually. By the way, what's Clint Eastwood's name in this movie? I know the answer. See, I... Do you remember? Sam. Close. <laughs> it's Mike. <laughs> That's right. Mike. No wonder. <laughs> oh, where are you going, Mike? <laughs> Mike Eastwood. <laughs> okay. So, hold on. Also, do you think... Wait, so Scott is Scott Eastwood Clint's son? Yeah. So Scott Eastwood so Clint had Scott when he was sixty? How old Scott? How old Scott? He can't be more than thirty one, thirty low thirties probably, yeah. So Clint was probably, yeah. Wow. Anyway. In, uh, sixty or nearly. So I do want to write down uh the actress's name is Natalia Travern, who plays Marta. I hope I'm saying that right. I looked this up. So, Marta is, is more of a sort of traditional love interest in this movie for Clint. Like, right. she loves him. Like, that is... She falls for him immediately. Falls for him. The movie ends with the two of them dancing. Right. Like, it's just a... It's like, a full-on, like, this romance. Roman- this romance, right? I do want to just zero in one more time on the fact that Clint Eastwood is 91. <laughs> the actress who plays his love interest in this movie is... 52! <laughs> so These women could be his granddaughters! She was negative 39 when he was born? 52! So Clint was older than me when she was born. Unbelievable. <laughs> and she's gorgeous. I mean, she's she's like... For me, well, even one of the first things he says to her is like, "Are these your kids?" And she's like, "No, they're my grandkids." Yeah, it's insane. And so even he is there's like, something you so could be in like your 
40s. There's something so sinister about it. It's like, and it's like, he's not like, he's the least sexy person I've ever seen on screen. It's not even like there's like a, there's no twinkle in his eye. Are you talking about this movie specifically? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was just making movie, sure you're you're keeping. I've it to never, this movie. I mean, I've never been a Clint person. Okay. Like well, even that's... even like classic Clint never did it for me. But like in that's this wrong, but continue. Okay. Well, in this movie, he's like, there's no like, oh, look at this like silver fox. He's like, right. Where's my right. cane? Like he can't even walk. And then there's like this gorgeous woman <laughs> in her fifties being like, oh la la, well, this man, the man of my dreams. You say he can't even walk, and yet. He there's a whole beat of him taming wild horses and making okay. money for it. Let's get into it. The idea that we are supposed to <laughs> suspend the belief that this decrepit dinosaur <laughs> could get on a horse the, my, and around me, me. He's like, whoa, cowboy. He's my, like, it's my favorite scene in the movie. There's a scene where like there's. Like a feisty horse. Oh yeah! And they're they're cutting from wide shots of clearly a stunt double on the horse who's actually like bucking to like these low cl- low angle close ups. That's probably the actress who plays Marta. I laughed out loud. It was insane. So it was the most, unbelievable. It was great. I but was like, uh, okay, laughing. we'll we'll okay. The, <laughs> so like, essentially, Clint and this kid. So Clint gets the kid. He's supposed to bring him back to America. And what, what is so funny to me about this movie, too, is, like, it's supposed to be this, like, oh, we're on the run. We're on the run. We got to hide from the cops. The, right. As Clint loves to say, uh-oh, the Federales. <laughs> uh, but they're, like, on the run. We got to get we gotta get to the border or whatever. We got to hide. Then they just go, like, oh, this town looks fun. Let's look around. And then they just spend, I don't know, months. Well, no, the best part. <laughs> so there's, like, a scene where where there's, like, there's like a roadblock and so they turn oh, yeah. off the road they go basically go off-roading to like avoid getting caught by the federales yeah and then they they end up at that town and then they leave again yeah they, they spent like a night in the town and then they leave and then they come across like a car accident <laughs> yeah and they drive past there's like there's like cops there's a couple cars that have clearly been in an accident and they're driving past it and clint just goes ugh guess we have to go back to that town <laughs> It make, like he clearly just wants to go back to the town, but like, they're it's not like they're being no, they're just driving no. by and act, they're just happen to be cops around. Yeah. But they don't even like stop and turn around this time. No. They just go by it, and then they're like, "Well, we gotta go back to the town." It's, I, it it's insane. And then also, let's just get into the fact that in this town, apparently, Clint Eastwood's a veterinarian. <laughs> well, I mean, as set up at the beginning of the movie, he. I loved animals. Yeah, this chicken's like walking. Like, oh, get my child. Like, I've loved animals all my life. Well, and he was a bull rider or whatever the hell. Yeah, Bronco the least, rider. The least animal humane thing you could ever do. <laughs> Ride a bull. But then he's like, yeah, they're bringing him like, oh, this goat has like a cut on its leg. And he's like, oh, okay, let me check right, it out. See what I can do. <laughs> and then they like bring a dog. <laughs> I did have. Oh, this did you write down the line? Well, no, but he goes, yeah. They, like, bring this dog to Clint, who out of nowhere is, like, this animal healer of this small Mexican town. And then this couple brings their dog, and he's trying to, like, oh, yeah, we'll see what we can do. And then he turns away from camera, and he, like, whispers to the young kid, is there a cure for old age? Right. He's like, there's no cure for old, which is, like, yeah. kind of the 
Hey, he should go to that beach. I mean, that that should have been the tagline. Of he the should movie. go to that beach. <laughs> should have been the tagline of the movie. There's, There's no, no cure, cure for, old. for old. Yeah, honestly, there is no cure for old. He keeps fucking making these movies. So, <laughs> so essentially, <laughs> like. This movie is insane because it's set up as this, like, okay, we got to get this kid back, essentially, to America, back to his dad, right? And we lose lose that thread (laughs) real quick. But there's, like, a vague sense of, like, this is... He's using me. It's just very bizarre as to, like, the morals of what you should be rooting for in terms of the kid. Yeah. he's being taken advantage of seemingly on all sides, but you're like, all right, well, is he actually in danger? Is it good that they're taking well, him back? Well, the but, like, kid changes from scene to scene. One scene, you're like, oh, he likes has a heart of gold. I like this kid. And then the next scene, he's just like an asshole for no reason. Well, and then Clint, like, reveals that, you know, he's – his dad – his father has ulterior, ulterior motives to want him back. Right. And, and then him and Clint are fighting, but then they just switch back to being buddies on a dime. It's yeah, like, it's all just... There's no rationale for anything. It's wild. So it's then we, have, we essentially get to the end where Clint does hand off the kid to Dwight Yoakam at the border. Which, by the way, just like, just walks across the border. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here he goes. Well, you know. See you later. Dwight Yoakam was there, so. Yeah. Uh, but like, so at the end, it's supposed to be this like, uh, like this emotional crux of the movie, basically, where like this kid that Clint Eastwood rescued is going home to his father. Clint is gonna stay in Mexico to like go fuck his granddaughter or whatever, and then, <laughs> so then the kid gives him macho, right? Yes. It's like you get to have macho now, basically. Why? Nobody knows. But then this like moment of like, oh wow, like they finally bonded. Like he gives him macho. And Clint Eastwood, not missing a beat, goes, Could be Saturday night barbecue, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I loved it. <laughs> so he's gonna kill Macho. Here's the thing. Yeah. This movie is a bizarre experience. It really kind of is from start to finish. It really is. And can I just say that not a single thing on earth that could happen in 2022 would make me happier than Clint getting nominated for best actor <laughs> for Cry Macho. I would die. It would be there's so no, good. There's no chance. It would be so good. There's no chance. He's 91. Okay, so this leads into, I guess, what we want to discuss next is... <sighs> it's like, what what is he doing necessarily, Right. Like, I I don't love Clint Eastwood the person, and I don't really love Clint Eastwood the filmmaker, but, like, it is undeniably admirable that he's making movies, starring in movies at his age. That's insane. Um, But when you get to a certain point, shouldn't we be making more <laughs> of the time we have left? See, this is this is where I disagree with you. Why not? This is great. Well, what's more than that's what he's doing. He's he's hanging out with young people. He's romancing them. <laughs> he's Yeah, it's it's a valid point, but at no point did I sense that he was having any fun making this thing. And not that like not that awards are obviously the end all be all. They are in my life, of course. Like if you don't you know, the Oscars are the only thing that matter. But like it's interesting that he 
he's kind of settled into this part of his career now where <sighs> nothing's really hitting anymore. Yes. And I feel like what needs to happen for him is he needs to step away from the camera. Because I think a Clint Eastwood movie where he stars in it does not direct. And it's not... And we lean into how old he is. Right. That's the money. That's where that's where we get something relatively interesting. This thing where you're directing yourself, pretending like you can ride a horse. It's not... <laughs> It's well, not interesting. But the, the thing is, like, Clint's 91. He's won Oscars. It's not like he needs to accomplish anything. So if he's, like... Of what, course. Is he of gonna, course. He's going to go work with, like, Paul Thomas Anderson and do, suffer through, like, long days as the lead actor or even a supporting actor? Of course. Actor. He doesn't want to do that. He just wants to do his thing. I yeah. respect it. Uh, I, I, I know. I agree with you. But it, it, it's, it's interesting. And, like, like, really, I mean, until... Uh, I'm... I'm like the mule, the movie that he did a few years back. Of course, never saw it. But made yeah. money. Oh sure, yeah. Like that made 175 million worldwide at the box office. Yeah. Well, uh, Richard Jewell, which he directed, wasn't in, but that. Well, you know uh, why uh, I hate that about made its budget back. You know why I hate Richard Jewell. Because you don't like the Olympics. Well, I, I hate the Olympics, but Richard Jewell stole Jennifer Lopez's Oscar nomination. Richard Jewell. And that's something that I will never forget. Jennifer I think about Lopez's. every day. I think about that every single day. Wait, wait. J-Lo's the worst. She's great in Hustlers, but just kind of in general. Okay. You can't... I'm just... Everybody loves I'm J-Lo. But she's not, now. like, cool. J-Lo's the coolest person no, I've false. ever known. Incorrect. She's the coolest person I've Incorrect. ever known. Okay. Kathy Bates and Richard Jewell better than I J-Lo could, and I, Hustlers? I, I think not. Could not remember who it was. Um, all right. Kathy Bates plays Richard Jewell. Does she? Well, that deserves an Oscar, no? No. I know. I'm just kidding. Um... Does she play the one who's trying to, like, fuck the cop into giving She plays drug? Dominic Moichianu. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, wait. That was Olivia Wilde, right? Who played, like, wasn't that a whole thing where, like, there's a scene in Richard Jewell where right. Olivia Wilde Interesting. Is, like, so Olivia Wilde makes, is in that movie about the 96 Olympics uh -huh. and now directing the Carrie Strug movie. Wow. What? directing the Carrie Strug movie. Olivia Wilde is? Yes! She loves the Olympics! She's directing the Carrie Strug movie? Yes! Since when? Since months ago. Do you... Is dead, Deadline... You heard of Deadline? <laughs> deadline. I, a good follow on Twitter. Eh. Not that we need to get into it. Not that we need to get into it, but... My thoughts on Carrie Strug. Carrie Strug is the Kurt Warner of the Olympics. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry. Sorry. Don't care. What Carrie Strug did. Oh, what Carrie Strug did. Ow, 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 ow. Carrie Strug had that's the most impressive athletic accomplishment, I think, of all time. Well, I actually believe I'm on record on this podcast that she was, let's say it together, faking it. <laughs> she was not faking. Have you seen the x-ray? Yeah. 
You think it's a, a Kurt Schilling bloody socks situation? Oh <laughs> yeah. Where's the Kurt Schilling movie? You know that. You know who's directing that next? Clint Eastwood. <laughs> He's gonna play Kurt Schilling too. <laughs> oh God. Oh, maybe. Um, okay, you. Let's talk- I, I want to hear um, some info that I believe you have gathered. Well, okay. I think Clint again. Clint is not my guy. But I find him fascinating. I will never get over the chair, okay? We haven't even touched the chair. We all know about the chair. Do people know about the chair? People know about Sandra the chair. Sandra O, oh, the Netflix vehicle. What? Okay. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Is it something called the chair? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I'm still looking up this Olivia Wilde, Carrie Strug movie. I don't think it's... Have they cast Carrie? I don't think this even exists. Kyle. God, I think they- you're making this up. Kyle, I need to tell you something. Olivia Wilde Carrie Strug movie that is a Google alert I have had set since 2010 okay uh oh we 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 haven't talked about the um don't worry darling teaser oh I jer- I've jerked off to it every day since it came out <laughs> oh no oh my god oh is it called perfect is that the title that's bad seems to be the title we gotta change that what should the Carrie Strug movie struggle well, there Ooh, it is. That's pretty good. Struggle. Strug. Oh. <laughs> There's nothing more heartwarming than uh, USA Gymnastics. Um, oh, my God. Unbelievable. The only thing that I hope that movie does lean into. Thomason like, McKenzie is playing Carrie. Okay. Can I ask a really legitimate question? Why is she casting everything? She is. She's a. Uh, Where are you going here? I like Thomasin McKenzie, so continue. Okay, her performance in Old is one of the. I mean, she rivals you know our boy here in Crime Macho. <laughs> the what? Oh my God! Why can't I think of her name? I mean, this this epitomizes. I'm sorry, why. wasn't Leave No Trace like your favorite movie? Loved Leave, no, and she's great in it. <laughs> but her what? performance in Jojo Rabbit. I mean, Jojo Rabbit just in general, you know. But Jojo Rabbit is. Jojo, just flab it. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Um, no, who am I thinking of? Uh, uh, Felicia. Rashad? <laughs> what are you talking about? Where are we, where are no. we going? We're uh, off the rails. Felicity, uh, Felicity Jones. Oh, yes. Thomas and McKenzie is a Felicity is Jones. Ch- like, she's not a child anymore, but child Felicity Jones. She's a Felicity Jones. It's like she all of a sudden will be in every movie. It, for like a five year stretch, you're like, what? Okay, and then she'll make a movie with like Eddie Redmayne about like people who make umbrellas or no umbrellas. <laughs> what are they called? Hot air balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of an Eddie Redmayne and Thomas and McKenzie movie about people who make umbrellas. Wait, no, there is an Eddie Redmayne Felicity Jones movie about, I know, hot, about air- oh, hot air balloons. Sure. I'm saying the umbrella movie would be good. You I can see hair- that. You need a haircut. No, I just got one. It's just long. What? <laughs> it's just long. I on just the top. got one. It's just long. Oh, okay. no, it's just I, I'm 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 sticking. Are you it up are right you now. going? Are you trying a longer hair thing? No. You look very Johnny Bravo. I usually just have it a little more slicked back. Very so Johnny Bravo at the moment. Lifting it up straight and it looks ridiculous. No, I mean no. It's it's fine. I, I'm sorry. I didn't say you need a haircut. Just like for you, you need a haircut. I think a longer hair would be good. Oh yeah, good cover there. No, I'm still, no, I'm actually being serious. Uh, okay, so, so for 
Clint Eastwood, his career is fascinating. It kind of falls into, I, I would argue, four separate kind of chapters. And this first one is pretty short. Uh, so he's obviously nominated for Best Director for Unforgiven. What, you're saying this is the first part of his mo- his career? What's going on? It's, that movie was made in the 90s. He was like 60 years old. As a director, okay. and I think Unforgiven elevated him to sort of he, – he had directed okay. some stuff before. For a long time, like oh, sure, sure, going sure. back like 20 but I'm years saying, before this that. is his first Oscar nomination. <laughs> I think this is the first time he was really taken seriously. Right. He had done a bunch of like well-liked popular westerns yeah, sure. and stuff like that. So but, after that, he does The Bridges of Madison County, which is a huge thing. Yes. But that sort of – those two, I think, oddly occupy sort of one sort of niche of his career. So then we get to niche number two. And this is quite the run. Uh, Blood Work, a movie I've never seen. But then we go in, I think almost in order. We go Mystic River, Million Dollar Baby, Flags of Our Fathers, Letters from Iwo Jima, and then Changeling. And so in this stretch, he is nominated for Best Director three times in four years. Really? That's maddening. That's insane. Huh. So he's and I not. I think Gran Torino was the year after Changeling, too, right? I believe so. But Gran Torino kind of shifts things in a little bit of an odd way. Uh, so he's nominated for Mystic River, wins for Million Dollar Baby, which also wins Best Picture, and then he's nominated again for Letters from Iwo Jima. So that stretch there is like Clint is like the most in demand, critically acclaimed director, at least on a mainstream level, going. Right. So then we kind of like veer into fire. maybe a little bit of another. I always forget that he directed Mystic River. Era, I know. Um, or we go Grand Torino, Invictus, Hereafter. What's Hereafter? That's like Hilary Swank. It, it. I never. It's a bomb. J. Edgar, a movie that I did see that is so bad. And then Jersey Boys, he directs. So this stretch is Clint sort of Hereafter getting. Hereafter is Matt Damon. And Hilary Swank, right? No. Really? Yeah. What am I thinking of? It's some uh, fantasy disaster drama film. Oh, okay. Hilary Swank's not in that. What am I thinking of? A million dollar baby. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody will ever know. Uh, uh, so that that so Gran Torino through J. Edgar. That one Jersey Boys. That run okay. is so weird. <laughs> Like, Invictus Invictus gets a couple Oscar nominations. I mean, he's never... I mean... Invictus got Oscar nominations? I think... I think Matt Damon was nominated for Invictus. Wow. Check that. Oh, wait. Wasn't, um... Was Morgan Freeman? Morgan Freeman was nominated, right? Maybe just Morgan Freeman. Check it. Looking it up. Stand by. Stand by. Uh... Both. Both. Freeman and Damon were both nominated. Yeah, so, you know, whatever. It's a thing. But Clint's never been nominated again since Letters from Iwo Jima. Interesting. Uh, So then we get into the American Sniper of it all. Wait, he wasn't nominated for American Sniper? No. What? That seems crazy. Uh, Yeah, kind of. George is, I mean, not that I disagree with it, just surprising. Huh? You said George. What? You said George. When did I say that? You said George. 
I don't think I said George. Okay, well, we'll listen to it back later, and <laughs> everyone heard it, so I'm going to... George isn't here today. Oh, God, I wish he was. So, American Sniper, which makes, you know, $700 billion at the box office, um, I don't want to call it a return to form, because I think it's a bad movie, but, like, I think kind of reestablished him a little bit, maybe. Uh, I mean, we, it's a smash hit, acclaimed, then we have, massively acclaimed. What's well, the best picture, and I'm, you know, whatever. So, then we have... Then we, he does Sully... And then we have the fifteen seventeen to Paris, a movie that I swear to God I have just forgotten. That's I remember that now. It's about like a group of guys that like subdue Shocking. hijackers on a on a train or He's something like that. He's obsessed with this like hijacking and like like heroism and like anyway. Uh, then here's the mule. Yeah, it's Clint Eastwood. Do you think he's obsessed with heroism? Of That's course he is. That's what I'm saying. So then he does the mule, and he does uh, Richard Jewell, and now he does this. And I just don't know where we go from here. And I don't... Well, the grave. He's 91. <laughs> I thought the grave was his next project. No, like, okay, he's... Okay, okay. I mean, once you're in your 90s, like, it's 50-50 whether your next movie will... But this is the Come conversation. Come out before you die, right? This is the conversation. Does it taint his legacy? Because I think that his legacy is very much still intact. And it's not really going anywhere. But does it taint a legacy when, let's say, that like the final like five or six movies you make fucking suck? Does no, it matter? Because he's so old that it doesn't matter, I don't think. And like he has enough later career. It's not like the last... 30 years of him as a director have all been terrible. Like, he has enough of a yeah. run in there when he was, you know. And, then, like, really his whole g- directing career, you know, will that's not going to be the first thing on his tombstone or whatever, you know. Like, he's – What will be? I the mean, chair. Will it be the chair? <laughs> yeah, the chair, number one. Um, his performance in Crime Macho, number two. <laughs> and then – No, like, I mean, his legacy is – the, the first things you think of when you think of Clint, I mean, I assume it's the the old westerns. Yeah. You know, the Man With No Name trilogy is probably number one, and Dirty Harry is probably number two. So that's kind of like... I Dirty Harry is probably number one. Just as, like, Clint is like a was the biggest movie star in the world in, like, the 70s. Was he? Oh, yeah. The biggest in the world? In the 70s? I mean, he certainly... Okay. I mean, maybe he wasn't number one, but he's certainly on the, you know, the... Fair enough. Towards the top of the list. Fair enough. And so, like, this, he starts directing and then becomes a kind of award-winning director when he's already... You know, he already has an A-plus list career sure. before we even get to, like, Unforgiven. So he's basically just riding it out. Yes. Well, okay. Much like uh, one of these horses that he's taming in Cry Macho. <laughs> Okay, so you bring up awards, and I think this is this is a way to sort of like bring the conversation home. I'm gonna ask you a question. Uh, okay, who do you think is June the- Squibb? <laughs> God, I love June Squibb. <laughs> June Squibb and Clint Eastwood should play love interest. That would be great. Uh, who is the okay? Who is the oldest best director Oscar winner of all time? Winner? Yeah. Uh, oh God, I have no idea. The act, the answer is Clint Eastwood for Million Dollar Baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was so long ago, and he's still making movies. 
So when he won for Billion Dollar Baby, he was 74. Wow. And he was the oldest Best Director winner ever. Now, this is maybe even crazier. Number five on that list, Clint Eastwood for, for Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Oh, my God. He was only 62. And he was the fifth oldest Best Director winner ever. Hey, directing is a, is a young man's game. At the age of 62. Do you have the the two, three, four, five on that list? No, but I can. Uh, it's up here. It's on my computer. Hold on. Now, now I'm curious. There, yeah. That is crazy. That he, I know that, yeah. The idea that you're the oldest. I mean, it's been, what year did a million dollar baby come out? 2004. So we're talking 17 years later. Okay, so He's still cranking out movies. Number, uh, let's go. Well, I think we should be celebrating this. We should be celebrating Clint Clint's output over the past twenty years. Impressive. Yeah, that's why we're doing this episode. Yeah, no, but I don't we're like. Of, I mean, we sure. we're talking about the interventions. We're saying he's probably gonna <laughs> die. We don't really like him. Probably but. gonna die. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might not. All right, frankly. so let's go. Let's just do. I, I, although I do want to put out or, or point out number ten on this list. Uh, was Ang Lee for Life of Pi. Really? He was 58. Huh. He's the 10th oldest. You would think, like, you know, in 1952, there was someone who was Okay, so let's go. Who so won. we said number five is Clint Eastwood for Unforgiven. The fourth oldest, Martin Scorsese for The Departed. I was going to guess that as a possibility, but I knew he wasn't older than Number three is George Cukor. Cukor? Sure. For My Fair Lady. Okay. He was 65 in 1964. Uh, and number two... My boy, Roman Polanski. Oh, Romy. Uh, for the, the pianist. pianist, he was 69. He's also 69 of those young girls. Oh, dear. Um, well, this doesn't bode well for, say, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. <laughs> it might. I mean, but yeah, I mean, it, it is interesting. So I think this gets into, uh, can you guess, and I don't think that you will know this, but who was the oldest nominee? For best director of all time, the oldest nominee for best director. I, I'm gonna guess Clint. Incorrect. Yeah. Uh, John Huston for Pritzi's Honor in 1985. He was 79 when he was nominated for best director. Wow. Uh, Clint for Letters from Iwo Jima is number six. And American Sniper came out something like eight years after that, right? He wasn't nominated for that. I know, so, but he oh, very right. well could have been. Oh, yeah. sure, well, I guess sure, my sure, point. Sure. As a Best yeah, Picture nominee and among other nominations. So, like, he easily could be number one on that list as well. Score, yeah, so Clint, uh, on the on the top ten list of oldest nominees for Best Director, Clint Eastwood has three of the top ten. Three of the top ten. Huh. Uh, and number three is Scorsese for The Irishman. Just a couple of years ago, he was 77. Oh. Yeah, I, I forgot he got nominated for that. Nominees, I would have I would have yeah. guessed that. Here's a question for you. The same person holds the record for oldest acting nominee ever and the oldest acting winner ever for different movies. Ooh. I feel like this happened recently, did it not? Correct. Well, correct. Who was it that replaced Kevin Spacey in that movie? You're is, exactly right. Is that right. it? He's since passed. He has since it passed. It is... Oh, God. Oh, hell. What's his name? 
Christopher Plummer. Of course, yes. In 2017, became the oldest acting nominee ever. Embarrassing that I couldn't remember for, Christopher Plummer's name. It's tough. For all the money in the world. Uh, I remembered he, that. So what, he is the oldest winner? Oldest nominee. Right, right. But for but, something else. Yes. Well, when he was nominated for all the money in the world, he was 88. Wow. Uh, and when he won for... This is what I don't remember at all. Beginners. Oh, okay. Supporting actor in 2011. He was 82 when he won. Wow. Here's... Christopher Plummer is the absolute oh, best. Beginners is a movie I would love to watch again. Uh, so also, we're living in sort of an interesting time because Anthony Hopkins, just this year, became the oldest Best Actor winner in history at the okay. age of 83. Also the oldest nominee ever at the age of 83. Best acting nominee. Correct. For gotcha. Best Actor. Because yeah. both of Christopher Plummer's were supporting. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. Best act, The oldest Best Actor nominee and winner, Anthony, at the age of 83. 83. Okay. And then this is – can you – okay, listen to this. Can you believe this? The woman from Titanic. No. Gloria Stewart is not on here anywhere. But I th – this is this is a sh – this, sh this, this shook me to my core. When I read this. So when Frances McDormand won Best Actress this year oh, for no. Nomadland. Oh, no. She became the third oldest <laughs> oh, no. Best Actress winner ever. What was she, like 52? Third oldest ever. Oh, that's crazy. How Isn't old is that she? insane? She, uh, when she won, she was 63. Oh, she's. I guess she's older than I realized. Third oldest Ever. <laughs> and Frances McDormand is on this list twice because she's the 10th oldest winner ever when she won for three billboards right. when she was 60. <laughs> 60 years old is the 10th oldest Best Actress winner ever. That's crazy. Number one. Do you um, know? It's not Glenn Close. Okay. Don't, you don't need to rub that in her face. Oh, I'm and it would And it wouldn't have been. Okay. You'll Let's know see. it when I say it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Although I do Best actress? We're talking? Yeah. Best oldest best actress winner. Oldest best actress winner. How old is Glenn Close? I'm looking this up. She's 74. Wait, so was so, Gloria oh, I thought Gloria Stewart was the oldest nominee, no? For Titanic. In history, like in history? Yeah. Uh no, Christopher Plummer beat her by a year. Gotcha. Gloria Stewart was 87, and Christopher Plummer was 88. So Plummer eh. beat her like four years ago. Eh. Yeah. I love Gloria Stewart. <laughs> um, Let's see. Do I have a guess for oldest best actress? You'll know winner? it. You'll be mad when I say it. Uh, Helen Mirren. Uh, no. Hold on. Where I've lost my place here. Uh, the, act, the, the actress. The answer is uh, Jessica Tandy. For driving Miss Daisy. Oh, uh, okay. Um, who was eighty? Wow. And she won, so she's also you know, the oldest. Uh, I'm sorry, she's the oldest winner. the The oldest right. nominee is Emmanuel Riva for Amour, back in oh. 2012. She was 85. She was nominated. But Jessica Tandy's the oldest winner. Catherine Hepburn for On Golden Pond is the second oldest winner. Then we have. Francis at the ripe old age of 63, <laughs> the third oldest winner. What does that tell you? Uh, Meryl is number five for the Iron Lady. She was 62. Uh, Helen Mirren, who you guessed, is number seven. She was 61 
when she played uh, the queen. The queen. Yeah. I give you the queen. Donna. Huh? We love the royals. Who does? You? Americans. Uh, kind of I do. I don't know. Do I like the royals? We'll never be royals. Oh, Lord. Don't get me started on Lord. What happened? Oh, God. What happened? What do you mean? Her new album? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's bad. Well, <clears throat> old Oscar winners. I guess let's wrap up the Clint conversation here. What Will- do you want to see from Clint next? Uh, Other than the Kurt Schilling movie I would say, I would say dirt Dirt on a coffin <laughs> Uncalled for But do we think That Clint will ever be nominated For an Oscar again No because like I said It's just as likely that he doesn't Complete another movie Sure Just based on his age Sure um, No he's not going to be nominated again Okay Because I don't think he's going to Pick a project, like I said earlier. And also, I like, lo- he doesn't have anything in development, <laughs> which is tough. <laughs> we're not get we're not pictures well, up well, <laughs> until he's ninety three at least. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Clint is that like he puts these things together very quickly. I know. So like this, his next movie will get announced in like July of next year, and it'll come out in October. Yeah, for sure. Like he, I know. He just. Cranks him out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Listen, Clint Eastwood, I don't love you, but uh, I admire your work ethic and and what you've done. And, uh, you know, may you rest in peace. He's not dead um, yet. He may be dead by the time we put out this podcast. But (laughs) Cry Macho uh, is currently number three on my best movies of the year. What? No, I'm just kidding. But all I want is a best actor nomination for Clint. Let's make it happen, people. It's not, it's not happening. We can shoehorn into shoehorn him into supporting if we need to. We can pretend <laughs> that the kid was the lead. We can pretend the rooster's the lead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, that's enough of Cry Macho. Now it's time, as we end every episode. <laughs> every episode. With our trademarked, hastily prepared top ten of the week. Yes, which I am never privy to, but yes. Right. And actually, as we were taping this episode, I have pivoted the top ten. Oh, that's what you were writing down over there. Two, wait for it, the top ten performances by animals <laughs> in movies. Hold on. Am I, am I allowed to reveal what you were going to do for this? Right before? <laughs> I forgot. Okay. Before we started taping, we were going to do our my 10 favorite uh, Norm McDonald moments. R.I.P. Norm. R.I.P. Norm. I do have to say, like, <laughs> I mean, it is called, like, the hastily prepared top 10. <laughs> I do want to emphasize how hastily it is prepared. Like, Kyle will spring – these past three weeks, Kyle has spring this on me. Oh, I got to – like, we're, we're about to record the podcast. He goes, oh, I got to do my top 10. <laughs> I keep forgetting. I was like, oh, I'll do my Norm McDonald thing. So I thought up until this moment, I thought you were doing a hastily prepared top 10 Norm McDonald moments. Well, I have that list here. I can, I'll, I will spiel, I'll give a, just a little take. Everyone oh, has watched these clips. We're sure. doing two top 10 lists this week. Oh, All great. Right, here we go. Number sure. 10, Norm McDonald. My favorite top 10 Norm McDonald moments. Uh, number 10, his performance in Billy Madison. 
Number nine, his Comedy Central show just called Sports Show, which was delightful. I watched every episode. There were only like ten before it got canceled. Uh, number eight, the moth joke that he yeah. told on Conan. Yeah. Uh, number seven, his his hosting the ESPYs, where everyone was very uncomfortable with all his hilarious jokes. Uh, number six, the YouTube uh, big live comedy show Red Carpet hosting that, that he did with Jenny Slate. Unbelievable. Phenomenal. Funny. It's so good. Uh, number five, Dirty Work. Never seen it. Number four, uh, his Saturday Night Live performances uh, as Burt Reynolds and Bob Dole and the other characters that he played. Uh, number three, his his performance at the Bob Saget roast where he was intentionally bombing uh, and doing really corny jokes. Yeah. Number two, his uh, SNL Weekend Update career, uh, particularly all the O.J. Simpson jokes, which, you know, touched my heart <laughs> deeply as – OJ made it to another episode. <laughs> and number one, uh, the the best Norm McDonald clip of all time is the Conan O'Brien interview with Courtney Thorne Smith, where, so where Norm is the second guest and he's just making the best jokes of all I time. I will like to do top, et cetera, et cetera. I would like to just put a uh, a, a plug in for his last performance on Letterman, which every yes. time I watch it makes me cry. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, that was in the running as well. All right. Now for the real hastily prepared top 10. This one so hastily yeah, this that is, I prepared you, you prepared it during this. the taping of the episode. Oh, wow. I'm sorry that what I was saying wasn't interesting enough for you to pay attention. You no, had to remembered re- mid-episode that this was the top 10 that I actually wanted to do. This and so should I be started great. writing them out. This should be good. All right. So you did just bring this on me a minute ago, but there is a clear number one. If it's not the right number one, I will be unfortunately ending the podcast. Okay. Number 10. Macho in Cry Macho, the <laughs> the rooster we have spoken about. The titular, the titular Macho. Yeah, he gives it his all. Uh, number nine is the Golden Retriever in Air Bud. Okay, so the podcast is canceled. <laughs> Wait, that's that was your number one. Kyle, wait till you hear the rest of the list. This dog can play every These are all sport. Superior performances. All right, number eight, the killer whale in Free Willy. <laughs> Just a great jump over the... I loved <laughs> What an ending. Michael Jackson. Also, if you mm, if you haven't beautiful. actually watched that recently, like the, the CGI they used is oh, I haven't. hilariously bad. In my head, it's beautiful. I watched it now. Yeah, I would like to keep it in my it's head. It's beautiful. Uh, number seven, the Chihuahua Bruiser from Legally Blonde. Oh, wait. Okay. Do you have the Do you have the Chihuahua from Beverly Hills Chihuahua on the podcast? I do not or on the podcast on um, your list. No. Okay, I, hold on. I need to do an impression. <clears throat> One second. Chihuahua. <laughs> I, I don't know what's happening. It's from the trailer. Gotcha. From Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Well, Chihuahua. Sorry, not as good as Bruiser was in Legally Blonde. Bruiser rules. Uh, number six, Einstein in Back to the Future. Sure. Einstein the dog. He puts like goggles on. He yeah, it's very goes cute. Back in time, I think. I don't remember. Glasses on a dog? You kidding me? Uh, number five is a three-way tie from the same movie. It is uh, Sassy Chance and Shadow from Homeward Bound. <laughs> okay, listen, we cannot get into Homeward Bound on this podcast right now. It might need to be a whole. You'll episode. cry two episodes in a row. <laughs> I cry pretty much every episode. I would say Homeward Bound, obviously a movie that really affected me. Homer Bound is so good. Really affected me as a child. Oh, Peter. Oh, Peter, Homer I miss Bound you so. Homer Bound is so good. 
when the kid is when the the kid is crying that that shadow didn't make it back because he's so old but then shadow turned he was oh! he was really oh peter it's un- oh it's, peter i missed you so they don't make movies like that anymore sorry they just don't make movies now they're watching paw patrol it's all it's all a cartoon sorry which back about it which shadow you fucking loser number four uh the chimpanzee dunstan from dunstan checks in i believe he worked at a hotel or something <laughs> Unclear. I just, uh, I don't think I ever saw Dunstan Checks In, but I've seen, I've, I've seen enough of it to know oh, that Dunstan Checks In is it's a, a great, top five performance. Oh, it's no great. Doubt. It's a great film. Uh, number three, uh, Beethoven from Beethoven. Wow. Loved. St. Bernard. Loved Beethoven. A lot of slobber. Great just, Bonnie Hunt performance in Beethoven. Just a killer performance. Uh, number two, The Shark in Jaws. <laughs> I have, I, God, this is so hard to break this to you on the podcast. The shark. Oh God! I'm gonna. I they can't, kill it. I can't look you in they the eye. They killed it. At the I end? can't look you in the eye and tell you this. <clears throat> the shark and Jaws are not a real shark, <laughs> <laughs> but it is a great performance, nonetheless. <laughs> I stand by it. I stand by the pick. God, Jaws. One is of the all-time great animal movies. Jaws is so good. Jaws. Okay, Jaws should not be on. Jaws. This is this list is immediately invalid. What's the problem? It's not a real animal. Is. Like every name, other is, animal you, is Bruce. Every other animal, wait, huh? Oh, yeah. Every other animal you've mentioned is actually a real animal, right? Yeah. So you can't have Jaws on here. No, that, it, it's, it's, perfect. it's perfect. Okay, I think perfect. I know what your number one is. Number one is obvious. I, what do you think it is? <laughs> what? No, babe. <laughs> oh, get out of here, babe. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a babe. Or don't come. You're to me. not a babe person. Don't come to me with a babe. <gasps> you don't like babe. Babe is overrated. Oh my god! Wait, hold on. Let me get your number one animal. Number one is the most King Im- Kong. The most important animal in in movie history. Airbud. No. Mm-hmm. King Kong is a pretty good one. I probably should have had that on the list somewhere, but I forgot about King Kong. Animal. Uggy. <laughs> no. Uh, the pig from Pig. Nope. Speaking of, it is here's my here's of, my hint. Uh, no movie in history has been seen by more people than this movie. Wait, that was my answer to the question. No, it's mine. What was mine? Oh, Titanic. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number one with the, the bullet. cowardly lion <laughs> <laughs> is Toto, of course. Toto gives one of the great performances in okay, film history. Okay, I would argue that Toto brings nothing. I would argue that Toto brings nothing to the screen. Toto reveals the wizard. Who cares? Toto brings nothing to the Toto, screen. Toto, no. You need to rewatch it. Toto's performance. I just did. I watched all the time. Point. Toto brings nothing to the screen. To put another canine, and you've put four ahead of ahead of Airbud. I've put. Uh, Let's see. Bruiser. Where's Old Yeller? Einstein. Where's Bambi? Chance and Shadow. If Jaws counts, Bambi counts. Jaws is the exception that proves the rule. All right. No. Or, uh, no. To recap, the hastily prepared top ten. Number ten, Macho. <laughs> the rooster from Cry Macho. Number nine, Airbud. Number eight, Free Willy. Number seven, Bruiser from Legally Blonde. Number six, Einstein from Back to the Future. Number five, Sassy, Chance, and Shadow from Homeward Bound. Number four, Dunstan from Dunstan checks in. <laughs> number three, Beethoven from the Beethoven movies. Number two, Jaws. And number one, Toto. 
Tell now that, now that's a hastily won. prepared top ten list. Hastily indeed. It's Toto. Unflappable. Toto does nothing. You know who he gives more than movies? The monkeys. What? No. Toto is important. Were you scared of the monkeys? Yes. Oh my god. I assume everyone was, right? Wow, wow, wow. That was, that was really tough. Who okay, who so apparently we're we're getting close to cast reveals for the Wicked movie. Ooh. And if you believe some of the rumors online, which I do, I live online. <laughs> okay. Uh it looks like Glinda. Are you a Wicked person? I've never actually seen it, but I'm familiar and I uh I saw Chicago production of it. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. I know it's uh, Alphaba and Glinda. Glinda. Unlimited. Wicked, I actually don't like, but could be... I know about popular. I don't like popular. For good, though, it's one of the best songs ever made. Um, uh, Dove Cameron. Boom, is... boom, boom, boom. We've done. We've had the discussion about on the podcast, right? <laughs> so it's that. my favorite Whoa. thing. <laughs> oh, is the only thing I ever want to talk about. Uh, what, 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 what are the, the rumors? Thing I want to talk about. When someone's like, oh, "How are you today?" I'm like, do you want to talk about? Oh, <laughs> what are the rumored casting? Uh, Dove Cameron as Glinda. Dove Cameron. Yeah, she's like a Disney, but she's great. She's like an incredible singer. Oh, really? Yeah, and I love her. We okay. love Dove. We love Dove on the pod. We love Dove. Uh, and Elphaba, uh, rumor swirling. You're Apparently, just, you're just trying to think of someone now. You're just making. No, 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 no. The the rumors is a that... hastily prepared rumor segment. <laughs> Honestly, ooh, we shouldn't. Who should play Elphaba? But apparently, the rumors that I've seen online, this is, are that it's going to be, they've cast somebody, but the... Wait, which one's the Wicked Witch? Alphaba. Okay. Like, Adina Menzel. Right. But the uh, the rumor that is swirling online is that it's going to be a woman of color who is an up-and-coming singer. What does that mean? I truly could not be more clear. An up and coming singer, yeah, like an up and coming singer. The like Chloe Bailey from like Chloe and Hallie is one of the big rumors out there. That makes sense, yeah. Um, I'll buy that, yeah. Uh, she's yeah. a star, she's an up and coming star, yeah. She's already a star. Mm, do you like Have Mercy? Did I like what her song Have Mercy? Yeah, I love it. She performed it at the somethings recently. The VMAs, yeah. There it is. Like, you still work at TMZ. Look at you. <laughs> uh, no, we'll see. The Wicked movie being directed by uh, John Chu, who did In the Heights. You know. We shall see. All right. On that singing note, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah? Prepare yourselves. Next week on the popcorn boys it's the jake gyllenhaal episode you know kyle in many ways many I've... of our listener listeners have been clamoring for it <laughs> he's got some big jake fans and it's time because the guilty his pretty bad looking uh new movie is coming out and we're gonna watch it in theaters of we're course. gonna talk about it before it hits Netflix. but we're going deep on all things jake jake's career I have some big Jake reveals that I will save for next week. 
Interesting. I'm intrigued. Best performances. What movies he's the best looking in. Whoa. Oh, yeah. We're doing that for sure. I mean, it's probably just those two things. But what, what <laughs> movies themselves are the best, you know, and – and of course, uh, a his new Oscar snubs. I'll cry. Prepared top ten list to be determined moments before the podcast starts taping. Jake Gyllenhaal girlfriends. Ooh, that's pretty good. Jake Gyllenhaal, top ten photos of Jake Gyllenhaal with Kirsten Dunst before they broke up. Well. What are you singing? I'm singing all too well. I'm unfamiliar. Jake Gyllenhaal, stick around, everybody. Song about next week. Good night. Bye.